For tuning in to the 366th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl D. Lane, as always. I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting upper platform you may be listening to me via. Also, special shout out to everybody who's tuning in via Elevation Sports in Denver. Gonna have a great podcast for you guys today. Going to have Ben Caron, host of the Sports Caller Podcast, on a gun. No Kenny Sim. Still uh, battling COVID. Prayers out to Kenny. I know everybody loves when Kenny comes on. He should be back on next week. That is the plan. If he's not, then he won't be in we'll have Ben for one more week. But I think next week we should have Kenny back and hope Kenny has a speedy recovery, right? So with Ben on the podcast tonight, this is going to be a little bit more college football centric. Um, we're going to get into all the awards, some more of the coaching hires that took place. And we'll talk NFL. Uh, I'm going to get into some a few games. Not all the games like I go through with Kenny. We're not going to do that with Ben. But there's a couple games that I do want to touch on with Ben. And I'll get his thoughts and feelings on those storylines that have percolated through those games. Just so everybody knows. But before we get to Ben, shameless plug time. Subscribe and follow right now. Like literally right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description. So it's timestamped on Spotify specifically. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you whichever part of the podcast you want to listen to. It is for your convenience. Please, folks, check out the description. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrate underscore Lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then worry not. Just don't say anything at all. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next, out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Squadron Podcast, talk about everything that went down in the football world this past weekend. Kind of next, out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have not Kenny Sim, but Ben Karen, host of the Sports Gobbler Podcast. Since Kenny's still sick, we have Ben on again. How you doing, my guy? I'm good, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. I know that um, filling the shoes of one Kenny Sim is going to be hard to do, but I'm going to do my best. And Kenny, we hope you get better soon, man. And I absolutely concur with that. So, Ben, I want to start with you with this NFL, Week 14. Buffalo Bills lose a tough overtime game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just want to get your overall thoughts 
of that game and are the Bills frauds? Um, well, my, my thought on the game was nobody was picking Buffalo to win today, Daryl. At least, you know, nationwide, out, outside of your area. I don't think the rest of the country was picking Buffalo to win. Uh, so the fact that they lost the game, to me, is not earth-shattering. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your defending Super Bowl champions. We know they're pretty good. Uh, we know the guy that's leading that team is uh, the greatest player to ever play. Um, and I think it's pretty remarkable, honestly, that the Bills battled their way back into this game from being way down and uh, made it interesting and, and took them to overtime. So I actually give the Bills some props for that. Um, to answer your other question, no, I don't think the Buffalo Bills are fried. So it doesn't concern you how they've been so disappointing from what their expectations were in the beginning of the year, because this was a team that people thought could win a Super Bowl to begin the year. They were in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. People were wondering, could they take that next step? And we've seen them mutter through the year. We see them get blown out by the Colts. We see them lose to a disappointing Jaguars team, to a disappointing Steelers team they shouldn't have lost to. They had a couple games this year that, that didn't go their way. Um... And I think it, it's going to catch up with them a little bit, and it's going to put them in a little bit of a hard situation as we're, as we're heading into the uh, the playoffs. Um, Buffalo has a pretty easy schedule, though, Daryl, down the stretch. Um, they should be favored, I would say, in three of their last four. Uh, so, you know, I think that's going to work out in their favor. Uh, the biggest concern for me, though, is I did think you hit the nail on the head when you said... A lot of people were expecting them to make the AFC Championship again this year, maybe take that leap and, and make it into the Super Bowl. And with, with what we see at this point in time, I don't think that that's going to be a possibility for them. I don't think that it's as bad as it might be with other teams, though, because I do think they have the right guy as, as their head coach. I think they have the right guy at the quarterback position. Uh, but they are going to have to work on that offensive line. They're probably going to have to make some moves this offseason. Uh, and they're probably also going to have to look at uh, getting at least one more dynamic playmaker um, on the offense. How far do you think they can go? I think their uh, max ceiling here is probably the AFC championship game. But I think more realistically, they might win one one game in the playoffs. So in terms of Tampa Bay, they got Leonard Fournette going on the ground, had over 100 yards rushing. Obviously, the Buccaneers, they have an array of weapons. The defense is starting to come along, kind of rounding back into form. As we head towards the home stretch of this season, how dangerous is Tampa to you? Well, I think they're extremely dangerous because as the season's gone on, we've seen them kind of make a change. Um, at the start of the year, they were a little bit more flashy, a little bit more into the passing game. And as the season's gone on and we've gone uh, you know, through the month of November and now we're in December, we're starting to see them become a little bit more physical, running the football more. As you alluded to, Leonard Fournette had a big day today, over 100 yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, so I think Tampa Bay is extremely dangerous here, Daryl. Ben, is Tom Brady still the best quarterback in the NFL? 
I think so. I mean, I know people are going to laugh at me and they're going to say, well, he doesn't have the arm of Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. But when I need one guy for one drive, Tom is that guy. Tom is in the MVP discussion, as we talked about on the last podcast. I see no reason why Tom Brady shouldn't still be considered the best quarterback in the league, even though he's uh, age 44. How big does this one go for Tom Brady in terms of him getting another league MVP? Well, I think it's certainly helpful. I think that the last four games are, are still going to matter. I don't think you know this is a, a one-and-done kind of thing for Tom Brady. Um, in fact, I, I would actually say, you know, from a critic standpoint, there are some times today where Tom Brady, I don't think, played that well. I don't think today, Daryl, he had an exceptionally good game and they still won. That just shows you how scary Tampa Bay is. Uh, if Tom Brady did win MVP, I want to give you some historical context. He would win an MVP in three different eras. The 2000s, excuse me, three different decades, which is eras in my opinion. That's how I judge eras, 10 years. But 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. I don't think that's anything any player in the history of the game can say. To win three different league MVPs in three different decades. I think it's just another statement to how great he is, um, you know, and, and how well he's managed to take care of his body uh, and how he's managed to find ways and strategies to stay on top of the league despite being older. Who takes better... completely locked in on football, and it really shows. Who takes better care of their body, Tom Brady or LeBron James? Well... I don't know all the ins and the outs of it uh, to probably make a, a really educated uh, decision on it. Uh, if I if I had to go one way or the other right now, I would say Tom Brady um, because he's playing in, into his into his mid forties, um, which is something that's super rare, especially in the NFL where people are getting hit all the time. Uh, LeBron James might, but until he does it, you know, I'm putting Tom Brady uh, in in. Um, at the top of that list. So now I want to go to the Chiefs game. So the Chiefs absolutely decimated the Raiders. How shocked are you how Kansas City has seemed to flip the switch after getting blown out by the Bills, which is shocking. The Bills, folks, just want to put this out there. The Bills blew out the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead at some point this season. It's crazy to think about this now, but I digress. Uh, losing to the Bills, losing to the Titans, not looking like they have a clue out there, to going on the stretch where they've just been super dominant. Uh, how shocking has that been for you? Um, it, it, it hasn't been all that shocking, to be honest with you, Daryl. Patrick Mahomes went through a period where he played pretty poorly today. Um, or not today, but you know, this season. Um, today, he played great. I mean, he had 139 passer rating today, Daryl. He went uh, 20 for 24 for 258 yards, two TDs, zero interceptions. So he certainly elevated his play. He's cleaned up some of those those mistakes. Um, and then, you know, defensively, I think Kansas City is still better than people give him credit for. Uh, Tyron Matthew still out there. Um, we, we see, um, obviously, what some of their other very talented players are capable of. Um, they don't have a lot of big names on their defense right at this, at this moment. 
But, you know, I mean, we, we, we've been able to see uh, quite clearly what Jones is capable of on the defense as far as just trying to generate a pass rush. So that's a, an element of their game they have now, too. Patrick Mahomes only threw for two touchdowns, and they blew out the Raiders. How scary is that? I think it's extremely scary. I mean, they they basically, I would say they, they outplayed them in all phases of the game today. And the thing with the Chiefs are, I mean, the defense has been coming along. I mean, the last few months of the season, their defense is starting to lock down, and it's a far so much better than what it was. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I mean, they're finding ways to run the football now. And, I mean, if this passing attack with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek and Travis Kelsey gets back to 2020 Chiefs form, then we could be looking at them going back to another Super Bowl. Like, I think right now, is it wrong for me to say that they should be the favorites in the AFC? I don't think it's wrong at all. I, I would say they're my favorites in the AFC as well. Because, like, I mean, right now, I mean, there's two, three teams in the AFC with nine wins. You have the Chiefs, you have the Patriots, and you have the Titans. I know the Titans beat the Chiefs, but if they had to play again on a neutral site, Ben, who are you going with? You're going with the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I go with Kansas City. I mean, I think Kansas City is the best team in the AFC right now. Now, you know, obviously that might change some if, if Tennessee gets Derrick Henry back. Um, I would at least stop and think about Tennessee. And I, to me, I think New England's a pretty distant third. Um, New England's had some success this year, and, and you know, I, t- I tip my cap to them. Um, but at the same point in time, they have not really convinced me that they're elite. They haven't? No. If you'd have them distant third right now, Even so, you'd have Tennessee ahead of uh, New, uh, New England. Yeah, yeah. Even though I know I think they've recently lost head to head to them. But New so where who would be your fourth team in the AFC then? I'm curious. Um, I'd probably say right now. I mean, based on what I saw today, you know. Um, I, Ravens, Bengals, Chargers, Bills. Cleveland probably. Really, Cleveland. So there's a clear top three after that. So you're basically saying it's a pick 'em. Well, I think it's a pretty clear top two, and I think after that it's just kind of well. I mean, I guess there, yeah, there's a clear Patriots. I think are clearly better than the Browns, as we saw a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I would I would say from fourth place on, you know, you could argue, uh, I guess, a lot of different ways for who that fourth team could be. So your guy Tyler Huntley got the chance to play. And, Ben, I have to give it to you. Tyler played well. Tyler played well. I'm not ready to go on the on full Tyler Huntley bandwagon, but he, he, he played well. Uh, tough loss to the Browns, though. Did you feel vindicated at all? Because people might not know. You have a Tyler Huntley thing. So have you felt vindicated by his play? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that... Um I felt very encouraged by the way he played today, Daryl. Um, you know, as I was talking to you off air about um, Lamar obviously goes down with an ankle injury. 
Huntley comes in. The team's already down 10 nothing, uh, and they were actually behind 24 to three at halftime. Daryl and Huntley almost brought them all the way back. They end up losing 24-22 to the Browns on the road at Cleveland. Um, and I got to guys tell you, Daryl. I mean, Huntley finished with um, with a passer rating of almost 100. You know, it's 27 for 38, 270 passing yards today. Uh, as well as a touchdown and no interception. Um, you know, and then he also rushed for 45 yards um, additionally. So he proved he's a, he can be a dual threat. Obviously not as athletically dynamic as the Lamar Jackson. But I was very impressed with how he played because um, when you look at the Cleveland Browns, Darryl, we know we know who they are on defense. They've got some stunts on that defense. We know Miles Garrett. Um, Jadavion Clowney, those guys are going to have Huntley running for his life. Um, we, we know that they have guys like Denzel Ward. Uh, they're going to make the passing game uh, exceptionally uh, challenging. Uh, and, you know, despite everything, Huntley hung in there and he gave his team a chance to win. Uh, hopefully uh, your, uh, your friend here, Kenny, was, uh, was able to take a look at him today. So can you just explain to everybody, because I do want you to do this, Ben, because you do really love Tyler Huntley. Just explain to everybody why you love Tyler Huntley and who Tyler Huntley is. Sure. Um, well, so I started watching watching Huntley play when he played for Utah. Um, living out here in Arizona, you know, Pac-12 guy. Get to get to watch a lot of Pac-12 uh, games. That's that's what's on. And um, I really started to um, to keep an eye on him. Uh, once I once I started watching him play, and he just he kind of reminded me um, somewhat of a Tom Brady, you know. Um, he, he might not have the biggest arm, he might not be the most flashy guy, um, but he's a good leader, um, accurate passer of the football. Unlike Brady, he can he can uh, make some plays with his legs at times, uh, but he just seems like he's always really poised in big moments. Um, and he doesn't make a lot of those mistakes. Um, and, and those were, were kind of the, um, the core reasons why I, why I, be, I began uh, trying to watch him almost weekly and uh, why I like him so much now. Um, and, you know, he's um, obviously he's not a guy that was, was kind of highly touted out of high school or, or, or out of college. He went undrafted. Um, but, you know... It, I think that Hunley is very popular because I think he resonates, Daryl, with a lot of Americans. Um, a lot of just, you know, down-home, hard-working, you know, people here in America. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's uh, people in my field in public education. Maybe it's people that are, um, you know, working working in factories, people that are working the night shift somewhere, some third shift on an assembly line. Tyler Huntley is for the average American people. He represents us. He's, you know, um, a guy that's worked and clawed for everything that he's gotten. Um, and, and I think that, um, I think a lot of people can just look at him and they can relate. You know, he's not not some big huge guy or probably not even the most smart that you know the, the guy with the biggest arm or the fastest guy or the smartest guy um you know but um i think a lot of people can relate to him and and i love the uh the 
interview after the Chicago game where he said, hey, I just want to thank, like, call my family after this game and thank them for the support they gave me uh, and even getting me up up here to this level. Um, you know, whereas you listen to a guy like um, guy you're high on, a Justin Herbert, after a game, uh, you know, Justin Herbert's extremely smart. And, you know, that, that to me almost sounded like he's defending, a, a you know, a, a master's thesis or something at the mic. Um, whereas I think Huntley... Um, great guy great leader and communicates um you know in a way that a lot of people find relatable how good can tyler huntley be as a starting quarterback in the nfl to you well i, th- I think he can he can be very good i mean i think he can be a, at least a top 10 quarterback uh given the right opportunity i'm not sure that he can be in baltimore uh, because you know as you and i were talking about off the um off the air Baltimore is kind of built um, around a guy like a guy with Lamar Jackson's talents. Um, Huntley brings something a little bit different to the table, uh, but I think he could be uh, for sure a top ten quarterback with the right offensive pieces around him. Is Lamar going to be? How long is Lamar going to be out? Does did you? Does anybody hear any word about that? I don't think they've really said much about it at this point in time as to how bad the injury is. Let's assume Lamar's, I mean, I don't think we, we're, we're not going to assume he's going to be out for the rest of the playoffs, right? For the rest of the regular season, correct? I don't I don't think so. No one has, uh, has said anything about that. Well, let's say he misses, how many games does he have to miss for you to be concerned about Baltimore missing the playoffs? Well, I, I mean, I think if he's out for three games, I, you start to get concerned. Uh, because here's the deal, Daryl. I believe in Tyler Huntley. You know I like this guy. Um... And, and you know, you know that he's going to come every week. He's going to show up, and he's going to play hard. Um, and he's going to limit the mistakes and, and, and keep his team in the game. But uh, with that being said, you know uh, it is a lot to ask when you when you have to host the Green Bay Packers next weekend. Who might be, you know, in, in, in my rankings, I think I have them as the best team uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, and then they've got to go to Cincinnati to play. That's going to be a hard game. Uh, I like Huntley, but, you know, I also like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is no no, no joke. And then they're, they're hosting the Rams. So I think the next three weeks are going to be very difficult for them. Uh, it's a very tough schedule uh, if they don't have Lamar in the lineup. The Cleveland Browns. A lot of people left them for dead. Uh very interesting season. It's been pretty turbulent. There's been a lot of struggles. But now they're at the 7-1 mark. And we were talking about this off the air. I think, you know, 10 wins probably get you in. Maybe 9. Right? They're in the, still in a place where they can make the playoffs. What are the chances you get the Browns to make the playoffs? Well, I mean, I... I would say that I think I think things are looking up for them right now. I'd say that they have probably about a sixty-five percent chance of making it. They've got four games left, you know, and they have to go to Lambeau. That's going to probably be the hardest one to play the Packers. They're on the road at the Steelers. That's going to be hard. But they're hosting the Bengals and the Raiders at home. Those are winnable games for them. That would put them at least at like a, a nine and eight, you know. And if they can maybe win one of those two road games, then that puts them at, at ten and seven, which I'm pretty sure would would automatically get them in. 
Now I want to go to this with Urban, your guy, Urban Meyer. So, Ben, I think you would agree there's been a witch hunt out for Urban, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there was, Daryl, to be honest with you, um, before he even coached a game in the NFL. Well, the witch hunt is getting worse. Obviously, there's been multiple reports coming through this weekend. He called the assistant coaches losers. Players don't like him. These are just the general things that are being said. Uh, people made a lot of the fact that he didn't look at Mike Variable after the Titans beat the Jaguars. He didn't look him in the face. People are saying that Shaw Khan is going to consider firing Urban. Uh, the pressure's really heating up. Is it possible Urban does not return after this year for Jacksonville? Bill, with all the controversy, everything that's gone on. I think it's a possibility. However, I'm not sure it would really have much to much to do with some of the things that you've you've talked about. Um, I think if he doesn't return, it's going to be because the owner feels that Urban has not done all that he can do to unlock uh, Trevor Lawrence's full potential. Uh, we know Trevor had a tough game today at four interceptions. I don't think he had a touchdown. Um, no, he obviously didn't have a touchdown. What am I talking about? They... <laughs> They, um, they got shut out today uh, by Tennessee on the road. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that would be one thing to really be concerned about, Daryl, is, uh, is, is just the fact that I'm not necessarily sure Trevor Lawrence is getting better. Um, when it comes to all the other stuff, you know, if it's true, then it's definitely a problem. You know, um, when you're a leader, um, you have to treat people a certain way. And you have to do all that you can do to bring out the best in, in your people. Uh, and if you're not doing that, then you're not going to have much success. And I think, if, if anything, if these rumors are true, maybe that sheds some light on, um, on Urban Meyer's ability to be a leader. Um, I've always told you, I think Urban Meyer, um, in, between, in between the gridiron, you know, with the X's and the O's, I'm not sure there's many guys better than him. Um, but he needs to clean up some of these other other things that are going on. Uh, you know, I think he needs to become a better leader. Um, and, and also, um, you know, he needs to get bring in some more talent. I think he needs to make some adjustments um, on the roster if he does stick around. Uh, because part of the reason they're losing all these games is because most of these teams they play just clearly have more talent than they have. But I, I would say there's, there's, I, I'm right now I'm about 50-50 on whether or not he returns. I think the right thing to do would be to bring him back. But I would, I, I believe that your assessment about the pressure heating up is, is, is very accurate. Trevor Lawrence, would it be inappropriate for me to call him a bust? Yeah, I think it would be inappropriate. He's, he's, there, he's, he's playing with basically nobody. Would it be inappropriate to call Zach Wilson a bust? Yeah, I mean, the same, same. I would not make a judgment on either one of these guys after one season. When can we call him a bust? Um, I would say, you know, give him three years. Three years, and at least, you know, one or two of those years, they have some talent around him. That's fair, and, and I can get with that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Could have next...
After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little college football. Cut him next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben and Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. So, Ben, let's talk coaches and college football. So, Oregon, they hired uh, the defensive coordinator for Georgia, correct? Dan Lanning? I'm not sure. Is that a done deal? Yeah, I think that is pretty much a done deal. Uh, And they picked him ahead of Chip Kelly because there was a lot of rumors about uh, Chip potentially making a return to Eugene, and for whatever reason, that didn't really work out. But they finalized a deal with Dan Lanning, so he's going to be the next head coach. I I just want to know, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, he was the head man for arguably one of the greatest defenses uh, of this decade, right? Surely since the 2000s, right? This Georgia defense with Kirby Smart. So how do you like the hire? Well, I think it's a, an interesting hire, Daryl. Um, you look at the Pac-12 as a whole, and I I applaud Oregon for this hire. Well, Dan Lanning is going to be very interesting because, as you said, he is our, the architect for one of the best defenses of, of, of a generation uh, with his Georgia team this year. Um, and we know in the Pac-12 there are a lot of these teams uh, are just used to getting into shootouts, uh, putting up more points. And, and that's not going to be the case so much with Oregon now. You know, or, Oregon, Oregon um, with Dan Lanning at the helm, has an opportunity to have a, a defense that's substantially better than all the other teams in the Pac-12. And I think that that would be a real advantage. Because you look around at the, at the other schools, how many of those other coaches in the Pac-12 are um, defense-leaning coaches? Not many. If any. So I, I like it. I like it. And I think he's, you know, he's a younger guy. He's only 35 years old. Um, Going to bring some great energy to Oregon. I think it works out well for him. Do you think he's a better hire than Chip Kelly? At this point, maybe. Because I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, over the course of time, when we look at Chip Kelly and what he's done, you know, in college and the pro, in, in the pros, then back to college, really in the, in, in the last decade, Daryl, what has Chip Kelly really accomplished that's so impressive? He beat LSU. In a year where LSU was down, you know. Um, I, I still think things, you know, if Chip, with Chip staying at UCLA now, I still think things are, are on the up and up at UCLA. Um, but... You know, I, I'm just not sure right at this moment that Chip would have been a better hire than this guy. So, 
I'm happy that Dan Lanning got the job, and I think it's going to be very interesting. I agree with you. I think Dan Lanning is going to do a very good job, and I think it is really interesting when you mentioned the fact that the Pac-12 is not a conference known for defense, but I think he's going to be able to get that defense to the right place where maybe it starts competing at a little higher than what people are typically used to for the Pac-12 in terms of football. So your guy, uh, Mike Elko, Elico, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, he's leaving Texas A&M as their defensive coordinator to be the next head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. How do you feel about that, Ben? <laughs> well, I don't feel that good about that, Daryl. Um, Mike Elko has been one of the better defensive coordinators in college football for quite some time. Um, we've obviously enjoyed having him at Texas A&M and uh, really enjoyed watching him um, put the, these uh, these fantastic defensive units onto the field for us. So it's going to certainly be a big loss for the Aggies, uh, but hopefully we're able to uh, restock and find somebody else that's going to that's gonna, uh, come to Aggie land and, and carry on our tradition and um, continue uh, to get us moving in the right uh, direction as far as our defense goes. But it's certainly a little bit of a shy. How good can Duke be with Mike Elko? Um, I mean, that's a great question, Daryl. I think it really depends on who they hire as an offensive coordinator. I think Duke is, is... in a position where they can get a little bit nastier on defense, uh, for sure. And, and the ACC is kind of like the, uh, the Pac-12 a little bit as far as defense goes. Um, so I think that that could be advantageous. But uh, for the foreseeable future, Daryl, I think I think I would still uh, probably have Clemson and, and, and now Miami um, uh, and probably a higher tier than Duke. Do you think he was a better hire than Jason Garrett? Uh, probably not. I think I would have hired Jason Garrett if I was you. So what I find interesting about this in terms of the ACC and Clemson football, so Mike Variable, I mean not Mike Variable, excuse me, Brett Venables, uh, defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator for Clemson, he leaves, he goes to Oklahoma. Tony Elliott, uh, I know he didn't do necessarily the best job all the time at Clemson as their O.C., but before this year, they were pretty stout on offense, right, with guys like Trevor Lawrence for the longest. He's gone. I believe lots of assistants, lots of people on the staff have left Clemson. These five-star and four-stars are starting to decommit. How much trouble is Dabo Sweeney in? Is it possible his whole foundation just crushes from within? I think he's in some trouble. You know, I think we're going we're gonna to have to really see here. Uh, Dabo has, has put together... Um, a dynasty, I and mean, I would call Clemson um, a, a dynasty here over the last probably, you know, six, seven years. Um, and, and now, you know, a lot of the pieces are gone. Um, is Dabo truly a great coach? Can he rebuild this from the ground up? Is he going to take on that challenge? Is he going to find the right people to surround himself with? And can he rebuild this at Clemson? And I think he can, Daryl, but I do think it's going to take Time. I, it would not surprise me if for the next, you know, few years, maybe Miami was on top of that division. 
or, or that conference rather, the ACC. Hey, Ben, I always keep telling you this. Nick Saban's not getting any younger. This could be the the moving point. Former alumni. Be the next head man at Bama if things fall apart at Clemson. And I'll never say never on it, but I think we're still a ways away from seeing Nick Saban retire. I'm just saying what's going on at Clemson, does that not mean Dab will be more likely to listen to the job offer? I think he might be more likely to listen to it, but I don't, you know, I don't think the job is going to be available for another five years. And I think by then, uh, Sweeney may have rebuilt, um, rebuilt Clemson uh, back to full strength. So Michigan's Jim Harbaugh, he wins the AP College Football Coach of the Year. The guys that he beat out for this award were Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, Baylor's Dave Aranda, and Michigan State's Mel Tucker. Did the AP get it right? Uh, no, the AP definitely didn't get it right. Daryl, Dave Aranda should have that award. Oh, Ben, don't hate on Cincinnati, Ben. Well, I'm not hating on them. I, I'm, I'm just telling you Dave Aranda should have the reward. Or the award. I mean, he, Aranda turned this team around in like one season, Daryl. I mean, what, what do you want from the guy? You know, last year they were really bad. This year, completely different. They win, they win the Big 12. You know, Luke Fickle, Luke, you know, Cincinnati's been building now for a couple years. Luke would probably actually be my second choice, so there you go. I'm not hating on Cincinnati. Um, and, and, and Harbaugh probably would be my third choice. And Mel, Mel Tucker, I'm not even really sure he ought to be in <laughs> So that bothers you that Mel Tucker has a, has a name in the conversation? It does kind of bother me because they got ripped apart by Ohio State. So you haven't... I, for... I think Nick Saban ought to be in the conversation. Well, they're not going to put Nick in the conversation. It's like Belichick. They're never going to put those guys in the conversation. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, just a thought, but um, yeah, I, I, I would. I, would I mean, or hat Kirby? Why not Kirby? Well, because he still hasn't been able to get get over the hump of Alabama. You know, I mean, at least with teams like Michigan, Baylor, Cincinnati, we're talking about teams that won conference championships. Could Pittsburgh's coach have a chance then? I, I don't. I don't think so, Daryl. I mean, the ACC was not very legit this year, and that look, man. That's why I wouldn't have Luke Fickle up there either, because the American is not very good. Um, sure, he won it. Sure, they were undefeated. They went to Notre Dame. I mean, I'm just. I'm more impressed with Dave Aranda's job. But didn't he do a good coaching job though? Didn't Luke Fickle do a great coaching job? Yeah, he did. He did a pretty good coaching job, and that's why I would have him it's second here for this award. So what's your issue with Harbaugh being one, then? Well, I mean, you you, um, you lose, obviously, to your in-state rival. I mean, I don't know. To me, that's kind of a big deal. Can I not say this? Michigan was not ranked at the beginning of the year. People were picking them to finish fourth or fifth in the Big Ten East. Not only did they win the Big Ten East, they won the Big Ten, and they now have a playoff, secured a playoff berth. 
back-to-back blowouts against Ohio State and Iowa. And the and team progressively impressive. got better as the season went on. It, 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 it is impressive. It is. But, I mean, I, I, I just have a hard time when you lose to your in-state rival. And I know you'd say, well, Baylor lost to TCU. But Baylor and TCU don't have the rivalry, I guess you could say, that you know Michigan-Michigan State had. And Michigan also was not terrible the year before. Baylor was really not very good last year. Now they won the Big 12 in a year where nobody expected them to win. They beat out Oklahoma. They beat out Oklahoma State. So what we're going to do is we're going... I know, what were you going to say? I said, it's just a, to me, it's extremely impressive what he's done at Baylor. And I don't concur it is. Uh, Dave Aranda, great coach, did a great job this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk about some of these awards that went down in college football over the weekend. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us. So, Ben, Bryce Young, QB, Alabama, wins the Heisman Trophy. Was it a foregone conclusion after the Georgia game? Yes, it is definitely a foregone conclusion. I think that's really where he earned it, Daryl. A lot of people can probably make a case for Aiden Hutchinson. I like, I like that guy a lot. I think it would have been refreshing if Aiden Hutchinson won, actually. When, when, you're, the, when you're a quarterback, though, you kind of have the inside track on, on, on the Heisman. Sadly. Here. And when you beat Georgia and Georgia's undefeated in the SEC championship game, that goes a long ways. How special do you think Bryce Young is? Uh, honestly... Probably not really that special, but, you know, um, he's going to get an opportunity now, I believe. You know, I think the the big game he played, we'll see how he does in the playoff. Um, You know, long term, I think he probably gets drafted in the first round. But when you say he's not that special, why do you say that? Well, because I... Number one, when you're quarterback at Alabama, you have one of the best O-lines, you got one of the best running games, you have the best athletes at wide receiver. You're not really having to make many throws when you're under duress. Uh, one could argue, Daryl, it's kind of easy to be the quarterback at Alabama. And to some extent. I mean, I know, you know, when, when Nick Saban's your coach, um, it's probably probably uh, irresponsible of me to say it's easy, but... Um, you have a lot of things going in your favor. Let's just put it like that. And when you look at the NFL as a whole, there are not a whole lot of Alabama quarterbacks, you know, over the last 10, 15 years that have amounted to very much in the NFL. Where does he have a chance to rank 
In terms of Alabama quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, two attack Valoa. Well, I think he can come in right away, and I think he can um, be better than probably Tua anyways. Um, I don't know how much longer Tua is going to be around. I don't know if he's going to get another shot. I think he may be better than Jalen, too. So I think he I think he could maybe compete for the top uh, with, with Mac Jones. But it's going to be hard because Mac is just, you know, he went from Alabama where he had a lot of things working in his favor, and now he's in New England where he has a lot of things working in his favor. So Bryce Young, he also won a AP College Football Player of the Year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson got the second most votes for that. Would you have been more, and also, by the way, uh, Pitt, Kenny Pickett, QB out of Pittsburgh, he got the third most votes, and the fourth most votes were uh, C.J. Shroud, and the fifth most votes went to Alabama linebacker uh, Will Anderson Jr. Uh, when you look at all that, do you think particularly Aiden should have maybe been in more consideration for that award? I would have liked to have seen it happen. I will say this. I mean, as things stand right now, I think there's going to be some teams that they they just they just need a quarterback. So that's where, you know, C.J. Shroud, Bryce Young, those guys are getting picked up. But I think when you look at a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, he is probably the most, um, the, the least risk person that you can draft in this upcoming draft. So you're all in on him? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's the kind of the kind of player that can um, that can be a centerpiece of a defense for the next decade. I think he's that good. I mean, personally. And also, I want to go to this next award. Bryce Young won. He got a lot of awards. Uh, he won the Maxwell Award over uh, Kenny Pickett again. And Kenneth Walker. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, you know, it's hard to say he doesn't deserve the award, uh, but it would would have been nice to see to see somebody else win some too. No, I completely agree. I feel bad for Kenny Pickett. He's getting like second or third in all these awards. And then Bryce Young also got uh Bryce Young really cleaned house. Uh, he got the Davy O'Brien Award as well. And he got that over Pickett and C.J. Shroud. I really think it was the Georgia game that sealed the deal here. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, all these guys, none of them had really done anything that special to separate themselves. You know, you look at Pickett, well, he didn't really play anybody that impressive this season, and I think they still ended up with a couple losses. Um, And then C.J. Stroud, you know, he didn't even play in the Big Ten championship game. Um... We saw, you know, the Ohio State lose a couple times this year in Michigan and Oregon. Uh, so Bryce Young really, I think, you know, had the best season out of all. Just kind of capped it off. He's actually playing on on champion championship Saturday, and you know, he managed to um, to to kind of put some distance between Alabama and Georgia in the second half of that game. And, uh, that was in a year where a lot of people favored Georgia to win and didn't think he's going to be able to do much against a, an all-time great defense. So next for the awards, we have Michigan State's Kenneth Walker, 
getting the Doak Walker Award for the best running back in college football. Uh, other finalists for this award were Iowa State's Bryce Young and Tyler Battle out of Missouri. Was Walker the clear choice for you here? I think he was, yeah. I mean, it's hard to hard to deny that. Um, although, um, the gentleman out of Iowa State had, had, you know, he's had a couple of really, really good seasons in a row now. So, um, you know, I would say he'd probably be the... Uh, the closest person to Kenneth Walker the third. And then next we have the Bolitnikoff Award for the best wide receiver in college football. Jordan Addison out of Pittsburgh got the award. There was a lot of criticism of this. A lot of people were heavy on the Jamison Williamson out of Alabama terrain. Do you think there's any merit to that? Uh, I think there's some merit to it for sure. Um, Alabama, you know... I think they made the right right choice, but I could certainly see how other people could argue differently. Because again, you know, you look at who Pittsburgh plays versus who Alabama plays. How much tough? harder defenses all year. How much tougher is the SEC as opposed to the ACC, Ben? What was that? How much tougher is the SEC as opposed to the ACC? Oh, I, well, I think when you're looking at defenses, it's. it's substantially harder. So, the Bernadict Award, uh, which is given to annually to the best defensive player in college football, was given out to Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Some of the other finalists for this award were uh, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, Oregon Jr., defensive end, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who just declared for the draft, by the way, Notre Dame safety, Kyle Hamilton. Ha- Kyle Hamilton. Uh, was Jordan Davis the clear guy for this award for you? I would say it's either him or Willie Anderson. So, Kayvon would not be in there for you? No, he would not be in there. Really? Why? Well, I just look at look at what the other two guys have been able to do this year. You know, um, I think they made the right choice based on you know as a as a unit what Georgia's been able to do this year. Um, you know, he's he's the best player on on, on that defense probably. Um, so I I think they came to the right conclusion, but I you know I just look at the body of work what the entire unit has done all year. You know, and I was more impressed with that than, uh, than than what Notre Dame was able to put together. So next for the awards, we have uh, the Lombardi Award, uh, which is given out to the nation's best offensive or defensive lineman. Aiden Hutchinson won this award. Uh, any complaints with that? I mean, there's guys like Kayvon, again, from Oregon, and also Jordan Davis. Who play in the trenches? I, I, well, I, I think this guy's got to win this award. There's no complaints for me. For who? I said there's no complaints for me here. I said I think this guy has to win this Oh, award. Aiden. Yeah. Okay, now why don't you have an issue with him being defensive player of the year then? Instead of Jordan Davis. Well, I, I mean, I think you could make a case for him to be. Um, however... 
I think what George has been able to accomplish on defense as a whole, and we know, you know, uh, he's kind of leading the charge for Georgia, uh, was better maybe than what Michigan was able to do as a whole. But in terms of best offensive slash defensive lineman, you think it's him? I do, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think time is going to prove that, prove me right on this. How, how much better do you think he is than the Oregon defensive end? Because everybody keeps talking about Capon that he's going to go number one in the draft. It sounds like you're not even sold. You're okay with that. Well, nobody really knows. I mean, he's been hurt some of the year. Like, I, I mean, I think I would go off uh, with Hutchinson just based on the fact that, you know, less injury history. I mean, I think they're fairly close, but I, you know, I would go with Hutchinson maybe uh, slightly more of a proven commodity at this point in time. I think they'll both be, you know, easily first round. So the guys that are selected in the top twenty. So Ben, do you want to guess who was the Thorpe Award winner for the best defensive back in the country? I will let you tell me. Kobe Bryant out of the University of Cincinnati. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm glad you told me I would have never guessed that. So does this prove Luke Fickle's doing a good job recruiting? Hey, he coached a I, he coached a Thorpe Award winner. Does that not I, mean he should be in the conversation? I, I think I can provide some evidence he's doing a good job recruiting, you know. I mean I think some of some evidence is just you know the play on the field too. Are you? You don't you don't go to South Bend to beat Notre Dame unless you're doing a fairly good job of recruiting. I would agree with you there. Would you say I do want to go back to the Kayvon Hutchinson point? Jordan Davis, would you put him in the same category as those two guys? I I know defensive tackles a little bit different from. Edge rusher, defensive end, but as a player, I think he's a first round guy easily. Yeah, I think he's probably. I I have him maybe a slight, like slightly below them, but I uh, I'd be happy if I could get him in the first round. Any reservations if you can pick Aiden? So would you feel comfortable picking picking Aiden Hutchinson with the first overall pick? If I didn't need a quarterback, absolutely. How do you feel about this draft for quarterbacks? With Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not in love with the quarterbacks in this draft. I think it's a little bit of a weaker draft draft class uh, for those players. And when we look at, when we look at the teams, Daryl, that might have the overall... Uh, number one draft pick. I, I think there's a strong case to be made that Aiden Hutchinson is going to get selected number one. Detroit doesn't need a quarterback, and, and uh, neither does Jacksonville. Lastly, I want to ask you this. Where is this season of college football ranked for you in recent memory? Or how low? Maybe this didn't live up to expectations, Ben. I'm going to say that I felt like it was a slightly below average season for college football. And and the reason why I'm going to say that is um, 
there weren't a whole lot of really elite teams, Daryl. We saw a lot of, you know, the Pac-12 champion had three losses. The Big 12 champs had two losses. Um, you know, the ACC champ had a couple losses. Um, it, it was just kind of a weird year. I mean, uh, really, uh, the only upside for me was A&M beating uh, Alabama. But, you know, still with that, we managed to lose four games. Uh, not very great. So my, my team, I don't think... Uh, overall played exceptionally well and um, I didn't see uh, quite as many exciting players as maybe I've seen in previous years you know when like for instance um, you know I don't think we're going to see a great matchup like a, a Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Field playoffs or anything like that this year um, so I, I think it ranks a little bit below average for me and that's very fair. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, always glad to be here, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen for coming on the podcast. I always appreciate it when Ben can come on. And I appreciate him filling in for the sick Kenny Sim. By the way, Kenny, I hope you get better, my guy. But I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 366th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.